Hey, my name is Zach, and this is the Plaid Jacket Philosopher, the podcast for tradespeople and the blue-collar middle class. I'm open to punch a few holes in the stereotypes that surround blue-collar workers and hopefully share a lot of the stories behind how we got into our line of work and the honest joy you can get from working outside of the office space. The plan is to mix in interviews as well as some solo stories from job sites, fatherhood, and personal experiences that led me to where I am today. Some will be funny, some will be personal, but hopefully any and all content here can help broaden what your opinion is of the blue-collar middle class. Hey, hey, you guys realize that maybe it's just me. Maybe I need to call my, you know, social media friends list again here. But do you notice that the most ardently, like, third wave feminist people in your friends list are absolutely head over heels about this President Zelensky right now and the fact that he's actually being a man? (laughs) Like, it's, (laughs) I don't know. Oh, it's, uh, it's cracking me up every time that I, I scroll through something and somebody else is like, oh, he's so dreamy, he's such a man. It's like, yeah, you've been trying to kill this for the past six, seven years. So, um, yeah, all of a sudden a, an emergency comes up and you start realizing why that quality is important in people. Well, stop trying to kill it in local Western guys. Anyway, uh, we're going to get back into that in this episode, I think, a little bit, but... Uh, anyway, thanks for coming back. I took the last week off. We're in the middle of trying to sell our house. I had to do a bunch of drywall repair, painting, you know, actually, I, I can't even say I did most of it. My wife did most of it. She's a champ. But uh, it's been a lot of sweat, a lot of work going into prepping the house. And now it's listed. So now we're just kind of playing that waiting game and stressing and sweating. And ugh. anyway, I, I swear I will move maybe once more in my life. I am done with this. This is the most stressful thing ever. And we're moving provinces. So changing jobs, changing a whole bunch of stuff. It's going to be, it's going to be a little bit crazy, a little bit hectic, but I'm looking forward to it. You know, Um, you got to kind of take those steps, take adventures in life. I think keep it, keep it fresh, (laughs) keep it interesting. (laughs) And that's what we're trying to do. So I think, uh, I I think it's all going to go well, but Anyway, I'm not going to bore you with my, my home renovations and, and listing a house because uh, that's no fun for anybody. But this week, so again, as I kind of touched on, I'm not going to get deep into the Ukraine-Russia thing. I mean, everybody's aware of what's going on in the world, and I'm not a geopolitical analyst. So I don't really think I have anything to add to the discussion. I don't have any fresh insight or hot takes. I just, you know, just a few thoughts in general of what's going on, maybe a little bit of cognitive dissonance and hypocrisy. And again, this episode is titled Thoughts and Prayers. That's T-H-O-T-S because, well, as I kind of alluded to at the beginning, it just, it cracks me up. Like in my friends list, you know, it's the, uh, like I had said, it's the most ardent, you know, third wave feminists, like anti-everything, anti-any man, anti any form of uh, testosterone or manliness or, you know, down with the patriarchy type thing, right? And now everybody is swooning over the Ukrainian president, Volodymyr uh, Zelensky. And it cracks me up. <laughs> it's Like, I get it. I, th- I think that it's awesome. And again, I don't know the whole ramifications of the war between Ukraine and Russia. Um, but I've got to say, like, from some of the stuff that I've seen, and if, you know, if the reports are true that he's out there, you know, staying on the front lines and just being a big morale booster for his soldiers, I mean, that is 
that's badass. That is, that's the shit you want to see out of a leader. You know, especially considering that Canada's leader uh, ran to an undisclosed location after some honking and bouncy castles. So, I mean, to see a guy standing up to a, uh, a world nuclear power, um, it's pretty incredible. And so, but anyway, it's just, it's funny the hypocrisy because they've been spending the past years trying to destroy anything that's manly about anybody. And then the second that there is a disaster or obviously in this case, an attack or an invasion, all of a sudden, oh shit, like manly men, that's where it's at. That's where it's at. And everybody's swooning over him. And it's just, it cracks me up. (laughs) It cracks me up. It's the same people who you could track their profile pictures or, you know, banners for the past four years, like clockwork, you know, (laughs) BLM, stay at home, save lives, um, double vaccinated, and now the Ukraine flag, right? And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that either. Like, take this with a grain of salt. I'm kind of testy because of the last couple weeks. It's just been frustrating dealing with the house sale, all this stuff. It's a lot of nerves. I'm, I'm a ball of nerves right now. And so then throw on top of this, you know, we had uh, locally, uh, the Emergencies Act was installed. And, you know, bank accounts were frozen. And it, people were apparently getting their bank accounts frozen over 50 or $100 donations to the convoy. So I had that to worry about. I never had my bank account frozen. But you know, it was it was a constant thing that I was worried about. Um, so it's just been, <laughs> it's been a couple of weeks from hell. And uh Anyway, I thought I'd I'd put together a short episode here tonight anyway so that I don't uh, completely lapse and you don't think I've died or gone off the off the deep end or just shut this thing down entirely. So, going back to kind of what's going on with with Zelensky and you, the Ukraine and again part of this cognitive dissonance or you know hypocrisy like we've heard locally, you know, over the past few years, especially in Canada, we had a pretty high profile case here uh, a couple of years ago of somebody who had uh, people came onto their property, they were armed, they were threatening their or his wife and kids and going to steal some of his property. And uh, he shot the guy. I don't, yeah, I think he did kill him actually, but he shot and killed this intruder. And now this is obviously just one incident, but it's something that gets attacked a lot. Like one of the big attacks that I see is, you know, do you value your stuff over somebody's life? And now I know that I'm extrapolating here. I know that I'm, I'm simplifying this story in, in a very big way. But I think the logic is sound. It's the same thing. It's basically the idea of what is the difference between standing your ground for your house, for your wife, for your kids, for your property? What is the difference between that and then Zelensky and, you know, his soldiers standing their ground for their property, their home, their families, their civilians, right? Their unarmed innocents. To me, and it's crazy because again, in one one idea, and I do understand that they're different. I'm not I'm not trying to simplify it this much, but I think that the logic is linear between these two. I think it's the same idea. And so why is it that here we demonize anybody who defends their property, defends their family? Uh, you know, with whatever force is necessary. I'm not saying to go overkill, but, you know, you have to defend yourself with the necessary force to overcome whatever, In you know, we'll use the word invasion, but intruder, right? I'm just trying to draw a correlation here. 
And it's funny because, again, this, this cognitive dissonance, because it's the same people who will demonize your right to defend yourself, to defend your property, to defend your family, but yet they're deifying Zelensky and these people who I, I think they should be. Like, if you're getting attacked on your land, then by all means, defend it at, at all costs. And I think that that's great. None of this is actually an attack at, at anything that's going on or Zelensky or the Ukraine. I'm just trying to draw parallels. I'm going to probably repeat that a couple more times because I don't want people getting all pissy pants. And it's just, it's interesting to me because the the logic will apply in one sense when, and it does seem like it's just, the news is telling them that this is fine, but in this other sense, it's not fine, right? Well, you know, let's use uh Let's draw some some clear lines in the sand here and say that this is kind of the same line of thinking. And if it's okay in one sense, it should be okay in the other sense. And I'm I'm 100% for both of them. But it's just, it's funny to me to see the cognitive dissonance in these people. And the, they just can't seem to rationalize the fact that these are the same two thoughts. Now, again, another thing that <clears throat> that has been interesting, especially over the last few weeks in Canada in particular is there was a really big attack on, not attack, that's the wrong word to use, because we're seeing actual attacks. But there was, you know, there was a lot of gaslighting and just like snarky little comments about, you know, see to those of you in Canada who are supporting the Freedom Convoy or are, you know, concerned about bodily autonomy and freedom. This is what an attack on freedom actually looks like. And, you know, they're showing scenes from Russia invading Ukraine. And, you know, fair enough. These are obviously two different situations. But the idea that you can't focus or care about both of them, with both of them being, you know, wrong, in a sense, I guess, like I, you know, you never want to see <laughs> innocent people suffer in it in any sense, right? In any case. Um, but this, you know, it's just it's funny, because They'll say that, oh, see, this is what it's actually about. But then, you know, these are the same people who will bitch and complain and kick up a storm and, you know, want to cancel somebody if they if they don't use somebody's, you know, preferred pronouns. But they have no idea who the Uyghur people are or what the Uyghur genocide is in, you know, communist China. They have no idea about that because the news doesn't tell them about that. That doesn't line up with their... Uh, their ideological viewpoint, right? So it's just, it's funny to me. Again, it's this this cognitive dissonance. It's like, oh, well, you know, how dare you complain about your own freedom when this country is under attack? Because again, the news is telling them that. While at the same time, you know, six months ago, they were complaining about somebody had the, the wrong pronouns used or, <laughs> or they weren't referred to as the right gender or whatever. And then they have no idea about the Uyghur people being you know, systematically enslaved, imprisoned, killed, sterilized in China, you know, so I mean, it, it's just, it's maddening, I, I don't know how else to put it, it but you know, you, you bring it up, and it's just crickets, right, it's either crickets, or you just get deleted, <laughs> there is no discussion, because I don't think anybody actually wants to face that music, it's kind of embarrassing, um, now, again, this, this episode, I think is going to be a little bit shorter because I, I just, I'm, I'm drowning here. I'm up to my neck in things going on at the house, but I wanted to put something short out this week. Now I did see, I watched, I'm going to include it in the notes for this episode, but 
if you're interested in a little bit of uh, the backstory on the Russia-Ukraine conflict, I guess you could call it, there was a university lecture that I watched, all in all, including question period. I think it's about an hour and 20 minutes. Um, I think it was recorded in 2015, 2016, maybe. It was just, it was after the Orange Revolution, which happened in 2014, if I'm remembering correctly. Sorry, I'm brushing up on all this as well. I'm trying to go back to like 1992 and then the denuclearization of Ukraine in 1994. I'm trying to learn this stuff so that maybe like as I'm watching this unfold, I can try to understand a little bit of the historical significance because, yeah, it's funny. Um, I got I got offered to go on to a panel episode uh, that was discussing Ukraine. And I said... You know, to be honest, I'm still trying to learn about it. I don't really have anything that I think I can add. I don't feel qualified to talk about it. And then I kind of went into what I just said. Like, I'm I'm presently trying to learn back to, you know, what happened in 92 and then the denuclearization in 94 and the Orange Revolution in 2014. And this is after a couple other people had said, oh, yeah, I'm in, I'm in, let's talk about it. And then, you know, they, they <laughs> one of the guys says, Oh, uh, right. I guess, I guess we'll have to see what we're talking about if it's current events or past stuff. And I, I didn't, you know what? I just, I don't say stuff because I don't, I honestly, I don't care to get into discussions over text. It's, it's almost impossible to, to gather any nuance or it, you know, how the words are landing. It, I, I just don't bother in discussions that way. I'll, I'll do discussions face to face or over these, but, uh, yeah, it's just interesting because I don't think anything ever happens in a vacuum. So learning what has happened in the past between two countries, I think, is absolutely integral in understanding what's going on in the present. And that's what I found, sorry, going back to this lecture now. Um, it was very interesting. There's also, I can't remember what it is called. It's something about Ukraine is burning or on fire or something. There's a, a Netflix documentary right now on the Orange Revolution, and I watched that last week. So this is, again, the same revolution that actually this uh, this instructor, this professor was talking about in his lecture. But in the Netflix documentary, it paints the picture that Ukraine was a very predominantly Western-centered nation in Europe, in Eastern Europe, where, whereas this, this professor paints a very different picture, and he goes down through demographics as far as how they vote, um, where the dividing line is kind of between East and West, because again, the Eastern side of Ukraine is right up against Russia. Um, and the country is very much split down the center between a more Russian speaking and Russian leaning half of the country to a Europe, EU, you know, UN favored left half of the country, the West half of the country. Sorry, I don't know why. I'm not going to get much farther into this. I'm just giving you a brief rundown of these two things because you can check them both out. Again, it's the documentary on Netflix, which let me get that title for you right now. And I'm back. It's called Winter on Fire, just so you know. So it's uh, it's called Winter on Fire. That is about the Orange Revolution in, again, 2014, 2015, I believe. And it's interesting, but I did find that after watching that, and then after that I watched this lecture, I did find that there were some pretty big differences in the way that the information was portrayed, mainly that 
in the documentary, it looked like it was 100% of the country that was going against their leader, their prime minister. I, I can't remember what they call him. And then their, obviously, their police forces, which were brutal to the protesters. Like, regardless of, regardless of what percentage of the country actually agreed with the protests, it doesn't matter. The, the police there were brutal to them. Um, I think they, I don't know, they're probably, uh, I know there are 40 deaths in one day, 26 deaths another day, something like that. And anyway, it was brutal. They were picking them off one by one, like literally sniping them, right? So um, anyway, it's a tough watch. It's a good documentary, but I do think that you also kind of have to balance it with this this lecture. So anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll give the links to that because I do think it's it's relative to the historical significance of what's going on here. Um, and one point that he had made in that lecture that I thought was very interesting is why Russia may have an issue with what's going on with, with NATO in particular is putting the military bases so close to them. He likened it to if, let's say, China or Russia, I mean, as Russia did actually in the Cold War with the Cuban Missile Crisis, how antsy the U.S. got when this other military power started placing their weapons so close to them right so that obviously that ended up being uh, the cuban missile crisis and what happens if let's say if china started setting up a military base in canada and in mexico right on the border of of each side of the u.s so anyway this is what this uh, this uh instructor he was kind of making that point and drawing that correlation which i thought was interesting i think that made a lot of sense and it kind of it just contextualized everything a little bit more because to me, I didn't really understand what was going on, what sparked the conflict. I still don't. And again, don't take any of this for fact or for the rationale behind anything. I don't know. I'm just trying to learn and, and look at the historical past, what's happened between these two countries, their relations. So anyway, I'm going to give you the links to that after. It, it's just it, I, I get fascinated by that stuff. You know, again, nothing happens in a vacuum. You've got to look back at the historical significance, the relationship between the countries. It'll give you a deeper meaning as to what's going on now. It might help some things make sense. Not that there's anything really sensible about war. I'm not saying that. But, you know, where where some of this stuff is coming from, I don't know. I, I I don't know. It's been really tough to watch, though, because some of the footage that you've seen, I mean, I'm sure a lot of you guys have, too. I shared it to uh, one of, or at least one of my social media accounts. I think it was Facebook. But uh, you see, you know, Russian tanks running over a Ukrainian civilian vehicle that was obviously driving. So there was somebody in there. Apparently that person survived, which is absolutely incredible. The, the tank ran it right over. Um, you see you know, air-to-ground missiles being shot, and you hear, you know, it's being filmed from a woman's phone and you hear her kid just start crying and howling when the the missiles explode kind of just next door probably a hundred, couple hundred feet away um it's heartbreaking like I, there's nothing about war that i think should ever be condoned like you know i think that was one thing that and again i mean i don't know there there are also i don't know there's an argument to make that there are there are wars that are virtuous, you know, World War II coming to the defense of, you know, and stopping what the Nazi war machine was doing in Europe. 
it's pretty hard to argue against. You know, when you're you're fighting against an evil like that, it's pretty hard to argue against. But it's still, it's uh, it's always, you know, it's it's the everyday person that pays the price, right? It's not the politicians who start the wars. It's not the generals. It's not the the high ranking leaders. It's the it's the everyday person that pays the price. It's the civilians. It's it's the innocents. It's kids. It's it's mothers. It's 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 a mess. It's it's so disturbing. And anyway, I had always kind of hoped that this idea of mutually assured destruction would kind of push us away from a hot war, I guess, something at this scale anyway. If you're not familiar with what the term mutually assured destruction means, it means that, well, you know, a lot of the countries on the planet now, unfortunately, or fortunately, I mean, look, you got to look at it both ways here, have a whole shitload of nukes. So if any one of them start to get too uppity and launch a nuke, well, we're all dying. So it really, I mean, as long as we're dealing with um, mentally stable people here across the board, I think that I think that what it does is actually, <laughs> as counter counterintuitive as this sounds, it might actually add a layer of protection to everybody because if we know that if we go too far overboard, you know, there is no recourse. It's just the world is over and that's it. So we do have to play within these boundaries. Whereas before, I mean, we were just developing new weapon types and testing them and testing them on people, testing them and using them and firing them. Well, now we've got weaponry that's so advanced, so dangerous, that you, you, you physically cannot use it because it's going to end all of humanity on Earth. So is there some benefit to that? I would argue yes, because, <laughs> you know, it kind of puts the brakes on things getting too far out of control. And let's hope that we can kind of keep that up because... You know, it's it's done us pretty well for a number of decades now. And, you know, it's it's just it's too scary to think about the other way. Right. The, the flip side of that coin. Um, what are we going to do? <laughs> you know, it's over. Right. And do you really want to focus on that? No. But yeah, just no. I guess that's my thing. I'm just not focusing on it. <laughs> to me, it's if it happens, it happens. I hope one of them drops right on my house and I don't have to experience anything else. Just that it's done that's a morbid thought good lord anyway i figured i would end this episode with a quote by albert einstein or it's attributed to him anyway that i think is very applicable to again what i just talked about with mutually assured destruction and so here's the quote i know not with what weapons world war three will be fought but world war four will be fought with sticks and stones albert einstein all right everyone that's it for today I hope you found some value in this week's episode. If you did and are interested in more content like this, please rate, review, subscribe, and recommend the podcast to a friend. I really appreciate all the feedback you have given me to this point and look forward to hearing you again. As always, the podcast page is The Plaid Jacket Philosopher on Facebook, at Jacket Plaid on Twitter, and at Plaid Jacket Philosopher on Instagram. That concludes this week's episode. Thank you so much for the continued support, and especially to those of you who reach out weekly with comments on each episode. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you all again soon.